kind of jumped the shark. Okay. But I still liked it. What is what is jump the shark? I've heard that. Oh yeah. But every time I look it up, I forget and I can't <laughs> understand what it is. Are you familiar with jump the shark? Oh, of course. Would yeah. you like to explain Happy that, Guthrie? <laughs> Happy <School> days. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was a TV series way back in what the seventies, eighties. Uh, it got really silly towards the end, and there was some episode where the cool guy Fonzie has to jump a shark with his motorcycle, and it's just. <laughs> it's just silly that's awesome <laughs> it just took the show too far so yeah sweet Jump the shark works for a lot of things these yeah. days welcome to the sprocket podcast where we are simplifying the good life i'm guthrie straw and i'm aaron flores broadcasting from the people's republic of portland Nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks. And today, just a guy from Sonoma County. Just a guy. Just a guy. <laughs> That's and, right. We've got Sebastian Poole in the yes. digital studio today. Hey, Sebastian. Hey, good being here. Yeah, we're thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. It's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you, thank you. I've enjoyed listening to you guys forever. So since I hear it since 2012, so let's in, keep it going. Indeed, <laughs> yeah, we have we have a lot to <laughs> catch up with. But you're you're one of our more active commenters, so I feel like we get to catch up. Really. Um, okay. I would say, yeah. on average, you comment more than zero, which is what a lot of people <laughs> do. <laughs> so, <laughs> by, def- by that definition, absolutely. Here, top, I'll give you top one. five comment award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, sweet. Well, what has everybody been up to this week? Uh, we also have Aaron and Brock tuning in. Uh, hey, did you miss me? We did miss you. Oh, of course. Yeah, what have what have folks been up to? Um, I got my Pugsley back. Ooh, Did I ever mention this, I, I sent it to the shop? I think well, this people paying attention on social media would know, but you should tell a little bit more of the story about okay. why I went to the shop. Uh, yeah, hold on, I'm gonna switch if chairs because this to. one squeaks. That's a nice sweatshirt, by the way, Gladys Bike sweatshirt. <laughs> I basically live in this sweatshirt now. It suits you. Suits you well. Um, what happened? Okay, so my cranks kind of seized up on me, and um, I tried to figure out why they seized up on me, but I couldn't take them apart. There's a little um, it's called a preload bearing cap, but it's not supposed to hold the cranks together, but it it if essentially did that for these cranks and and uh i it's just a little allen bolt that i stripped and tried several times to uh figure out how to how to pull it out um and realized after ruining several tools 
and and, and the, the tools too. Bolt itself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I stripped out stripped out a couple Allen heads. Um, they were they were bits for a drill, so I don't feel so bad. Like I can <laughs> I can you know replace those a little bit easier than an actual Allen tool. Uh, but yeah, realized this was beyond my expertise. Better take it to a professional. Took it to Clever Cycles. Uh, they ended up having to destroy that cap in order to pull it out. Do you know how they destroyed it? Uh, he drilled it. Okay. He just he tried what's called a extractor. It's essentially a, a reverse threaded drill bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it eventually will catch and cause the 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 cap or the bolt and to uh, start unthreading itself or it'll start turning and, and unthreading itself. And he said like the aluminum was just so compromised at that point that it couldn't even catch. It just kept drilling bigger and bigger holes in there. <laughs> and so he just carefully chipped it out essentially. So had, had to get a new cap, but also had to get a whole new set of bottom brackets because of all of the pressure on the bearings. Uh, it just, you know, seized them all up. Anyways, that was two two weeks ago, I believe, and I got it back today and was lucky enough, walked down to Clever Cycles, which is two miles, um, and rode back all before it started raining. Nice. <laughs> it was like that half hour gap it, today where it didn't rain. Yeah, there was what? some... There was some good rain in town today. <laughs> it was we had right. uh, it was eighty six degrees this weekend here in Portland. I don't I don't know what temperature it is where you're listening, but that's unseasonably warm for us. Yes. Super oh, hot. One thing I did this weekend too. I delivered flowers all over Southwest Portland. How did you deliver them? Uh, I did it by car. Actually, it's kind of impossible to do by bike. <laughs> Well, in, in Southwest. South, well, and it's not just Southwest Portland. I'm talking like the outer suburbs to Beaverton and Tigard and Lake Oswego. <clears throat> I, a friend of mine owns a, well, his family owns a flower shop uh, in Beaverton. And this is like, you know, their big time of the year. And uh, I just happen to have a lot of free time on my hands. Yeah. Mother's so, Day, right? A lot of, yeah. There's a lot of mothers getting yeah. flowers. Yeah. So... I went around and I made mothers happy. <laughs> well done. Spreading cheer. Yep. Guthrie, you were just in the woods, right? Like right before this? I was. Yeah. Uh, yes. I have determined mathematically that I encounter less people on certain bike routes and in certain places of the city than I do sitting on our front porch um, or in the side yard. And so... I have also discovered that my mental wellness has, if, it, if I was like a character in a video game and there was like a stat associated with with my well-being, it's like Guthrie biked 50% increase in how he's doing right now uh, or something, probably like 60, 70. I don't know. Uh, so I've been getting out and biking. Um, it's been very late at night up until today, um, but... I wanted to go down to Southeast 12th and Division to support a uh, a little company down there that is really trying to make it work with what's going on right now. Um, 
Which I don't know if anybody's that? ever heard of them before. The Beer Mongers? Why, yes, it was <laughs> the Beer Mongers on Southeast 12th and Division. That's right. Uh, and uh, I'm having their El Segundo Clear as Fuck IPA. With nice. Does it say, a, uh, does it say the, uh, the fuck word on the can? Uh, oh, no. It says A.F, but, okay. you know, it's, it's, the, spirit, know it's the spirit of the beer. Uh, I, thought, I thought that was named after me. Oh, yes. It's Clear Aaron Flores. <laughs> clear Aaron IPA. Flores. AF. <laughs> I'll, I'll just think of it as that from now on. Um, you're nothing. Yeah, you're nothing if not clear. It, it, it reminds I me try of my the, best. <laughs> there's, a, there's a restroom at an establishment near the beer mongers that uh, I saw written on the wall. Faded AF spelled backwards is faded, faded af, AF. and i thought because we, i think you were there and i thought that was funny <laughs> as a reference to you i think it was i think it was stormbreaker yeah yeah that was near our old studio mm-hmm. the garage yeah. we've had that's so right. many now. that's right we've had so the many garage. studios <laughs> we have a new studio we have, <laughs> we have four new studios right now <laughs> it's true yeah, yeah. yes um so i, I went down there and um Got got a little bit of re up from uh, Sean and the crew, and it was uh, in such a way that instead of going back home, I decided it might be interesting to go to Forest Park and to ride up north and then come back down. On this Saint was John's. after you loaded your bike with beer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You decided to go up into forest park yes and i would never encourage anybody who is operating a bicycle to take a break in the middle of forest park and have a cold one um but if somebody just so happened to it it sounds to me like it might be a good spot um so (laughs) imagine what it would be like yeah (laughs) uh and i i feel like i'm even doing that feels really weird to me and it's frankly kind of wrong um just hanging out you mean like being uh not being like i was i was exercising within like a technical limit of my physical abilities you know in a sense like i could walk an hour around my neighborhood and run into probably like 300 people i've looked i've been looking at like um those counters they use for sports stadiums because i want to mount one to my bicycle or to like just count the number of people that i interact with each time i go out um and and like try to see if that data does anything Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't it was definitely a it was a it was a mental wellness trip and uh, i haven't taken a lot of those lately because i've been pretty much here at home um but i do have a n95 mask that's left over from when we had the wildfires a couple of years ago Um, oh yeah those were useful a couple years back yeah yeah they were and this one was already open box like i'd worn it a few times already um i reached out to a nurse um who's our who's our upstairs neighbor and she's like yeah probably you know i don't think the hospital will take it probably better to just keep it so i had that on the whole time that i was out and that's what i wear when i'm out um so i feel like from a balancing of uh risk you know as if you're going to be out in the first place um i'm just trying to steer that ship in as close to a good direction as i feel like i'm capable of Um, yeah well i mean i think of all of us i think you're the most responsible one when it comes to that (laughs) Uh, i I don't know i think there's times where we are more so and times where we're less so i i feel like it just depends on 
I think it's probably situational. <laughs> uh, well, you you wouldn't pat your own self on the back, so let us do that. I think it's a, I think you are yes. you're doing the, yes. the the hard work that all of us need to be doing of figuring out how, how can we take care of each other. And so I I respect that and I appreciate yeah. that. Oh, um, do you, you do you wear a mask when you when you bike, like when you're actually on the bike? Oh yeah, yep. Okay, yep. You are definitely more responsible then. Yeah, I I've got like a little um like buff uh like neck shade thing that i use sometimes mm-hmm. if i am like way way out in the middle of nowhere for some reason but i i have that n95 mask now so um yep that that's just what i wear i, I want to draw like a smiley face on it because i feel like really <laughs> impersonal because i i don't know like I, I one of the things that i'm like really trying to jump start is everybody's like so scared of each other or just very like deferential or um like people already didn't really acknowledge that each other existed. And like, I feel that the, this has just made that exacerbated. Um, How you do exist. And I don't like you. Yeah. (laughs) And not (laughs) only that, I'm staying away from you six feet. Uh, But I've been like trying to wave to people and just be like, Hey, you you know, Hey, it's, it's, it's all good in the sense that we don't have to like completely ignore each other. We can still, we can still acknowledge our humanity and our shared experience as we pass each other. Yeah. Um, Smiles and waves. Yeah. Totally. So I, I I need to I need to make like a smiley face on the mask, but I have to practice because I'm afraid it's going to come out like the Joker smiley face or something like that. <laughs> you got to be careful with that one. <laughs> um, yeah, but that that was my afternoon. Um, reading, petting the cats, and then beer monger Forest Park and back. Yeah, and just speaking of the beer mongers, I've got as everybody knows, I'm not drinking beer this year, but uh, I did find. Where, where's the label? Sorry. This is the very best, like bar none, the very best IPA substitute I've found. And it's the uh, Freeway non-alcoholic double hop IPA, uh, less than 0.5 alcohol by volume from Athletic Brewing that just opened their, uh, uh, what is it, their, their San Diego brewing facility. So um, I have not found anything. There, like there are even a few other like IPA substitutes and they just don't taste good. Mm. And this one... It's the good stuff. It's it's the best. Very nice. So uh, I recommend if you're if you're ever trying to give yourself a break from the beer, uh, Athletic Brewing is uh, they're a good thing to. Yeah, I'm trying to pour this thing, and I realize that I'm I'm just going to pour so much foam. <laughs> Never try to pour and podcast at the same time. It doesn't work. Um, it's okay. We'll get better at it. <laughs> yeah, but the other big news for me is that uh, just for weeks I've had bicycles kind of in a bike pile, um, and yesterday day before yesterday um i ended up putting some boards into the studs and some hooks into the boards and some bikes onto the hooks and now i have yes. a first class bicycle system and i can finally pull my bikes out at will again nice so i i'm happy about that with the portland That's metro uh regional bike storage rules approve um i don't know it's pro- <laughs> probably not oh, okay uh, i already know it's harder than i want it to be to put mine on there uh, i did the thing where well if you go online there are some articles about how to do this right and yeah. they all say oh hang your bike you know mount the thing about 65 inches off the wall and what they don't take into account is that you might have a longer touring steel frame mm-hmm. that is just like an inch longer than that yep <laughs> and i already put all this stuff in the wall or right? i don't want to move it again are and they so, uh 18 inch steps uh i don't know it's a good question um my garage has some drywall and so i was using a stud finder and sometimes missing 
So, um, yeah, nice. <laughs> the extra screws that didn't grab on anything just, stayed there. <laughs> just yeah, but, it's better that way. That, don't yeah. don't try to mess with it. That's the nice thing about owning a house is that's your that's problem right. now. <laughs> I, I can do whatever I want. And so what I did is I put the the second row in. I was planning on doing kind of a you know uh, staggered uh, two different heights and, and going like one up, one down, all the way across. And what I ended up doing is putting some security hooks and and but like screw eyes that I could put some cables through. And, um, I put the, uh, my bike on the top row and I think all the other bikes on the bottom. So nice. it has capacity in theory for eight bikes. I don't have eight bikes. I have four bikes with me and yet. my family all put together. Right. Yeah. You don't have eight bikes yet. Right. And so the, the possibility for N plus one exists, but, uh, that's, yeah, that's what I did. And I'm happy with the way it turned out. So nice. What are you yeah. drinking, Sebastian? I have a, uh, Anderson Valley IPA. Hey. Uh, yeah, it comes from a little place up in uh, Mendocino County, not too far from here, and pretty close to a, an acquaintance's bike shop who uh, has a bike shop and a train car. Nice. So, really? It's a cool area, yeah. What kind of a train car? Uh, Well, boxcar. Nice. That's yeah. the biggest and, one, I guess, and yeah. the one that's most designed <laughs> for, for <laughs> having a bicycle shop inside of it. Yeah, yeah. So he's a pretty cool guy, and, and um He's sported a couple of rides I've been on. Um, and, uh, yeah, the areas, uh, between, uh, the coastal valleys, you know, highway 101 and, and, uh, and the Mendocino coast, which you've been down. Um, yes. and, uh, and so, uh, it's about midway. Yeah. They have yeah, a brewery. One of my favorite places. Uh, I was trying to remember, Aaron, have you been to the Mendocino Coast? I, I'm tr- I was trying to recall where I was started in San Francisco and went south. Just to get familiar with the geography. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure where we did San Francisco to SLO, but that that's all south of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have yeah, if you've if you've been through Garberville and the Avenue of the Giants and all that and struggled to get out to the coast, you've been through Mendocino County. Yeah. Yeah. The Leggett Hill, goes, right? Yeah, that area. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then you go south and through Point Arena and Bodega Bay. I think, uh, I think you, Brock, you must have stayed at Bodega Bay one time. Yes. Uh, Bodega yes, Dunes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, uh, that's where the birds were shot, of course. And so, uh, yes. Famous yes. for that, among other yeah. things. But oh. yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, there's some cool places. I, when I was a kid, I used to play at one of the sets. The, is that the right? house. Yeah. It was on the, the harbor there. And, and, uh, my parents would take us out there and, and, uh, we go play around the, the set. So was, was there, was, anything, pretty cool. was there anything inherently scary about the setting or is it all the film? It's all the film. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then otherwise uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. The only part I really remember being really scary is the teacher being found in the morning at her house. After yeah. That was pretty gruesome. Murdered by the, yeah. As a kid, that's pretty hard. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Yep. And you're waiting yeah. so long for like your first jump. Right. And that's the one. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that for years. Um, so Sebastian, first of all, I'm curious, Aaron, what's your first memory of Sebastian pool? I don't have a specific one. Yeah. yeah. I, um, he's been with us so long. I, I will say that the one that sticks out is, uh, and we might end up having to strike this from the record, when I found out who Sebastian Poole really was. <laughs> and not related to Corey Poole. Ah. 
Well, yeah. I, you know, I'd like to explain it. You know, because, <laughs> uh, it's an alias that I adopted because it was a character I tried to create for a friend who has a bike shop and or had a bike shop. Uh, the shop failed years ago, but uh, it just uh, was something that uh, I thought of because my dad used to work for a building supply company, and they had this character called Bill Ding, and he was like made out of these lumber scraps <laughs> and stuff like that. And so that was cool. And and the town where the shop is is called Sebastopol. So one right. day, for some reason, I just thought of you know splitting it up into two names, and and I thought, well, gee, we could use this. You know, we could like uh, my idea for the guy was that he's like this this worn out kind of semi pro racer from Alsace region of France, and he says all these goofy things, and uh, uh, he still tries to pretend to be boy racer and. And he's like always going for KOMs on Strava and, and, and just can't give up on the whole racer thing and just relax and have fun. Uh, but at the same time, he really does have fun being such a goof. And uh, that, that's where it comes from. So there we go. And nice. so it's a pun. Yes, we've taken that to be you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, speaking of Strava, if correct me if. I'm wrong, but Sebastian founded the Sprocket Podcast Strava Club. It's true. Yeah, that's correct. You can't let that slip through your fingers. Somebody else will grab it. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for doing that for us. I yeah. appreciate it. Well, it's cool because not everybody uses Strava, but you can see uh people connected to the show, friends of the show here and there. Um, they're all they've they've all kind of jumped onto that. And, and if you go there today, you can see where someone was riding in in Tennessee or in California. And in all over the place, and so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's I've really been curious. Well, I, I've been really curious as to whether there's any Strava, uh, some Sprocket followers in the Bay Area or Sonoma County, you know, something like that. So I've found a few people spread around the Bay Area, uh, Santa Cruz, Oakland, um, places like that. So yeah, yeah. And uh, who was the person who wrote in about the uh, the was it the San Francisco bike party? Oh, oh wrote San Jose. That, San Jose, excuse me. Bike well, because there's both, I think, right? Yes. Yeah, I think it was San Jose. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. The original but, bike party? Right. <laughs> that was that was part of what they wrote in about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's cool to see where people are. Um, so yeah, and then my first, uh, I, I went back and, and dug in the archives, and I think the first uh, that I could find, the first comment, and actually... Uh, so you said, Sebastian, that you, uh, you hopped on with the, uh, retro shift episode, which was way back in 2011, I think, or thereabouts. Um, so that's, that's a long time ago. The oldest comment that I found in my email box was, um, about where's the download for the, uh, for the episode. (laughs) uh, Um, I think we went to Colorado on a bike tour and we went on a radio station. And then when we posted that, I think either I forgot to put the MP3 up or, um, or for some other reason it was hard to find. So that was my oldest comment. But when I think about it, I've got a whole log of comments from our first web host that, uh, that you're probably in as well. So, uh, can you remind us of kind of, how did you find the show? Well, um, I'd been reading Grant Peterson's Just Ride, and it was book. making me think alternatively about riding, you know, because I was always, I got involved in riding through kind of racing initially, 
And it was just something that always kind of stuck with me and that whole mindset and, and was starting to think differently about riding and how it fit in my life and, and how I'd never really done touring or anything like that. Um, of course, I used it for commuting when I was in school and that sort of thing. I worked in bike shops since you know, I was about, oh, 15, 14 until I was 21 and uh, graduated. Um, and uh, so, you know, sometime back then, what was it, 2011 or whatever, um, started looking around at things and somehow I started reading about RetroShift and then saw your your episode and listened to that and uh, just connected with the current uh, shows that were running about that time and then going back and listening to everything that you'd done to the beginning. Um, it was a lot of fun uh, listening to those those uh, podcasts on the way to work or uh, when I'm doing things at work or yard work at home, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you should tell us a little bit about, I, not everyone is privileged to have such mechanical experience at a bike shop so young. So how did that, uh, how did that set your brain for, for later in life? That was pretty cool. It was such a, a an opportunity, you know, I, I um, went into a shop and, uh, they hired me because, you know, I was, I was in uh, ninth grade at the, no, 10th grade. Yeah. Just coming out of 10th grade into the summer. And they hired me because they needed someone who could build wheels. And so you go work in the shop. And so I'm building wheels and they want me putting bikes together. And, and then the shop's a little sketchy. You know, we had this inventory of things that were on consignment and, and uh, you know, they were having a hard time making things ends meet and um and some of the bikes they couldn't send back that had problems and so i was doing all these things like grinding axles to make cottered cranks fit and Ooh. learning how to do all these uh these extreme uh, kind of workarounds on on this uh sketchy inventory they had um <laughs> having to sell bikes you know things like that and so that was a that was a good start and uh it just kind of kept going from there. I would have uh, probably worked in bike shops forever, but uh, you know, landed a pretty good job when I was done with my my program at the community college, and uh, and never went back to working in bike shops, unfortunately. But. <laughs> when you said cottered cranks, uh, yeah, those are yeah. those are not easy to work with. <laughs> I'd imagine you you'd work with a few more of them back in the back in the day. Um, oh yeah, yeah. A uh, cotterless crank was uh, kind of like the next level up in the in the price range, and so you know that was something that you aspired to as a bike owner in those days. And uh, now it's the norm, mm -hmm. fortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they uh, <laughs> when they're stuck, they're really stuck. I I myself personally never never figured out uh, how to get around that particular problem once once we reached it. Oh yeah. All the, there's a press that bar made, uh, there's, there's, uh, chisels and hammers and there's, um, Oh, I forget that. Those uh, are like two tools that I was told never to bring near a bicycle. Yeah. Chisel yeah, and well, a hammer. <laughs> work well, if it means, you know, the bike just sitting in a heap somewhere behind the shop or not, you know, you, you get out the chisel and hammer. Yeah. <laughs> and of course the drill and the easy out and, uh, <laughs> Oh, what's that stuff that you use? It's like an oil. It's a penetrating oil that's got 
DMSO in it. Um, that's not kind of WD-40. an interesting story. It's not WD-40, but it's like WD-40. Um, oh, liquid stench, we called it. Liquid <laughs> wrench is what it was. Oh. And uh, that was something we used a lot of. Uh, lots of WD-40 in those days. And, and uh, I learned about why, you know, things tasted weird later on when I was taking chemistry classes uh, when I went back to school and, and found out about how WD-40 and the DMSO um, works together to carry anything you're working with right through the skin and into your bloodstream. You know, DMSO Ooh. just penetrates like bang. And so, um, Bikes yeah, are in your blood. It would get into my blood. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way to put it. Yeah. So, yeah. And that is later cool. on, I started working for better shops and, and yeah, uh, yeah. Not cool and, that you were subjected to those working conditions, but cool that you had the experience and, and it kind of oh, broke your mind open early on. I think does that does that set experience. you up? Like, do you do a lot of your own stuff now? You mentioned you you go to a shop as well. It's virtually always. Um, sometimes I'll go to a <laughs> shop if it involves a tool I don't have, like a um, a mill for head tubes or. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't do any bottom bracket chasing or anything for a long, long time. But uh, that was something I, I was, I kind of specialized in, in one shop. They, there was this brand called Lambert, and they had um, an odd bottom bracket. And uh, I was the guy who learned how to ream it out and, and thread the bottom bracket. And so it was always a stressful, stressful operation because you blow it, you know, the customer's frame is trash. and. Uh, so fortunately that never happened to me, but it was kind of a cool thing. You know, you just roll the dice every time and go for it. Yeah. Bottom brackets are yeah. hard. <laughs> I yeah. feel like we've, we've been talking about this a lot the last two weeks. It's just like bottom brackets. Ha. Huh. It gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind is that uh, back in 2015, my wife Adele and I were making our tour, uh, our trip from Sacramento back up north to Oregon, and I think we were essentially crossing paths. You were also out on a tour, and yeah. I had mentioned uh, there was a brewery in the hills up there on I don't know if it was Highway 89 or something else, but Highway 89, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the brewing layer is what the they brewing call layer, it. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, be- uh, great beer. And I, I, I was hoping when we went in there that uh, you know the folks running the spot would be like, "Oh, hey, where are you staying? You want to sleep at our brewery?" Uh, they did not make that offer, and we slept <laughs> in national forest land outside of town, uh, so that there was uh, there were no conflicts between us and uh, the law and such. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was a beautiful ride, and I remember kind of like being in touch as much as we could be uh, through Twitter. I think at that point, I don't remember if I had a phone then or not. I know I took some time off of having a phone back at the beginning of this show. Um, but I think at that point, it was just like, yeah, I didn't have your phone number or anything. And, and you would see my digital breadcrumbs and I would see yours. And, and <laughs> it was essentially, well, <laughs> we were very close to each other. So what was your trip like back then? Yeah, Brock. Uh, well, yeah, we were probably within hours of each other uh, around that town, Blairston, and um, and the other one is Gray Eagle. Um, I was going with a group from um, Reno um, to Gray Eagle, and then over the crest of the Sierras and down partway onto the west side. Um, what we're trying to do is follow all as much dirt as we possibly could to the Mendocino coast and. That day was grueling. It was hot. It was, um, I, I just, it was just unbelievable. Um, 
but it was incredibly scenic uh, places I'd never been before. Um, even though uh, my wife and I go every year since like the late eighties to this, uh, you know, to uh, a place quite nearby, um, uh, Gray Eagle. Um, and, um, but yeah, making that crossing over the, the, the crest of the Sierras is amazing, but uh, we must've been within hours of seeing each other in that town. Um, I think so. Yeah. And then the next day, was just an amazingly hot day. I know that just day was hot. hot. Yeah, yeah, it was very hot for several yeah. days, as I recall. And, and I remember going up one of the hills, and like um, this group I'm with, we've got a couple of pickups to carry all our gear. But I was thinking about you going into that campground up there, maybe, you know, because I, I didn't know where you would camp. Um, there's just this horrible hill that goes up to Plumas Eureka Camp, and it was entirely exposed to the sun. Um, Yikes. well over 100 degrees and uh in full sun and i'm I was just thinking like how could they do it i'm glad you didn't <laughs> yeah yeah when yeah. i think i'm trying to remember because there were a couple different like we went over lassen and so that was you know a lot of elevation and thinner air uh mm-hmm. the really hot day as i recall we were actually uh connecting with logan and tammy previous show guests and uh down out in the Wairika area um we had planned to stay with them and we made the mistake of following Google maps and we ended up on roads that, uh, I think not that they were impassable, but they didn't connect the way they were supposed to. And some of them were private roads. And, and by the time it got to a hundred degrees, we were lost and, and sad. And, uh, so <laughs> that, that day ended with them picking us up, uh, and showing us the oh. right way. But, but yeah, it was nice to, um, it, it was nice to be in a beautiful place. Like if, if, if it was going to be that hot, at least it could be dry. That, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did it the same trip two years ago and, uh, it wasn't dry. <laughs> so this, uh, you say talking about the unpaved. Yeah. Unpaved okay. part. So yeah, we, we had near snow and, and around Memorial day and, and, um, yeah, it was, um, actually it was just like one and a half days. It was really miserably cold, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't prepared for that. I was thinking, I'm going to repeat that trip that I did in 2015 and it's going to be a hundred degrees every day. And I didn't take the clothes for it. And we had like <laughs> a whole day on dirt at, you know, somewhere between two and four degrees C. And, um, oh. I was quite underdressed and always wet. So, Yikes. Yeah. Uh, what were you riding that day? Uh, my bike, it's, um, it's a co-motion. Uh, it's a gravel bike that they, <laughs> Got they were like one of pumping right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, gosh, I love that bike. You know, it's just like every time I'm going to go for a ride, if I'm by myself, that's always a bike I'm going to ride. Um, yeah. and big 38 millimeter tires and, you know, I can put a rack on it and carry stuff. And is it a you know, Pangea? No, it's a, uh, clutch. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. So unfortunately it doesn't have a cargo capable fork and, uh, but that's the only, only, um, downside of the bike you know other than that it's it's just been great very liberating go anywhere i want you know dirt pavement anytime um i was um initially you know like one of the mountain bike people of the 70s and uh at least for sonoma county we had different different cliques you know north and south you know moran and sonoma county and and um um, you know, so I was mountain bikes for a long time, race mountain bikes. Uh, and then, um, you know, just sometime, you know, 10, 15 years ago said, 
you know, it's getting too technical. You know, they're just motorcycles without brakes, I mean, without, uh, <laughs> without, uh, without, without motors. motors. <laughs> and, uh, now that's not so much the case. They've even got motors now. So it's just, it's gotten obscenely technical and I'm prone to geeking out over things like that. And I don't want to be thinking about buying the best suspension or doing the next suspension tweak or something like that. So, um, I got rid of my mountain bike, uh, quite a while ago and, and, uh, just go with uh, the gravel bike and been striving to get down to one bike all these years. And, uh, yeah, one bike that is really the way I want to go someday, but I've got six right now. So <laughs> that's more to do. One, then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the N minus one is like always the goal. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious, did you get the Commotion? Sorry. So just like background, Commotion was the first <laughs> custom built bike brand that I just fell head over heels in love with. And it's always been, I've talked about wanting to own a lot of bikes and I still only have one. Um, I'm curious what your experience was with that. Because uh, I don't I don't know if we've talked with a lot of folks on the show who've gone through their process before. Well, it was real easy. Um, I'd been looking around at bikes trying to find something you know gravel bike like and everything but nothing had a low enough bottom bracket you know they were all cyclocross bikes and real high off the ground too stiff and they have no cargo carrying capability and just impractical and and just mean um but uh the clatch looked good um specialized was coming out with the diverge eventually but it didn't really take big enough tires and so um I had a bike I thought I was going to use and I got to talking to, to Comotion because I'd seen what, um, I get Ethan, I think is his name, Ethan Staley. Um, what he had done with his bike at, um, the Oregon Outback. And so I called up and talked to them and, and they're saying, well, you know, we could build you a bike fast enough to get you on this tour in June that you're going to do. And, uh, it was really cool. Um, I was kind of like, I think one of the first buyers for a through axle, um, bike from them, um, or a through axle clutch, I should say. And, um, uh, they delivered it in like six weeks. I had two or three weeks to get it ready before the tour. And, um, it was great. It worked. So, but you, you like... know, that, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say at that time it was hard to get, you know, through axles, the, the the big tires and the disc brakes so mm -hmm. they were able to deliver nobody else was how do you like through axle versus like a quick release oh it's it's um a big help for me because i've always been kind of heavy um until i quit working i was always about 200 pounds and all my bikes all my frames would fail at the, the rear dropouts, you know, like the dropout would break or it would separate from a seat stay or something like that or a chain stay. And so, and then, uh, you know, my best road bike, um, is all carbon, carbon dropouts. Um, it was wearing out at the dropouts, you know, just the, the axle would move a little bit and wear out the dropouts. And, and I thought, <laughs> well, through axle is the only way to go. And, um, it's the because case. the axle doesn't move as it much. can't move yeah 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 oh, right, and then i was yeah. also afraid that you know at the front brake the front disc brake um you know looking yeah you know, i was hearing some some talk about this that uh the front disc with a quick release 
could potentially eject the front wheel from the fork. Um, and I didn't want to buy into a hmm. situation like that. So I've never had the front wheel eject totally, but it, it will, especially in hard braking, if you don't have that quick release really tight, which it's not supposed to be that tight anyway. But um, I've had the, the axle sort of go askew in the dropouts before. And not too bad, but then you hear the the disc sort of rubbing on on the calipers. Yeah. yeah. And so you know, like, okay, something's wrong. I have to pull over, realign the, the axle again. Do you um, uh, do you find on the through axle that you do you still get disc wobble or, or disc so you know when you're flexing on the frame, you kinda get a, a little bit of rub on the left and the right as you're pedaling, or does through axle mm-hmm. also take care of that? Um it depends. Uh, when I first built up the bike, I built it up with mechanical uh, calipers, and I could just never get those to work satisfactorily. Um, they were always dragging, or they they wouldn't grab enough. Um, uh, they would rub easily, and it's like you say, you get up and you clunk on the pedals, and, and uh, you get some rubbing. Um, you know, one cure is to go with a smaller disc in the back, but... Um, um, yeah, like my bike in particular, I couldn't do that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have no problems at all with the hydraulic brake setup and the and the through axles. But it was a hell of an expensive rework, you know, to say, okay, well, you know, I've got these Ultra Altegra levers with mechanical disc braking. I'm just going to have to strip those off and and bite the bullet and buy some hydraulics. And yeah, I'm glad I did. I'm always afraid of hydraulic. I like the idea. It sounds like it works really well, but I'm also like, oh, what if it fails somewhere? But it, I feel like the failure rate is pretty low, and I'm sure in your experience, it seems like it works well for you. Yeah, I, I thought that um, I wanted to go mechanical so that I could be self-sufficient out in the field, but then what's the likelihood you're going to lose both <laughs> hydraulic lines at the same time? So, right. nah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I'd, I'd had plenty of experience, you know, with, like, doing my car repairs or motorcycles and, you know, with hydraulics. So, uh, I was shocked, you know, I, I, the first time I put the hydraulics on the bike, it was just like, it was kind of liberating. It was easier than cables. So was, uh, so speaking of motorcycles and such was dot fluid versus mineral oil, a consideration or factor for you? Ooh, now we're really getting into it. the weeds here. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I want to go great. all the way down yes. that rabbit hole. Yes. Yeah, I didn't think about it, and I don't even know what I have. Um, I'm just using whatever Shimano sells to go okay. with their their levers. And so, um, you know, I do a bleed about once a year, um, and it's been been fine. Yeah. I, I did have a fall about a year ago where I tweaked the lever really bad, and uh, it crimped the cable, and I had to, um, you know, replace the hose, I should say. You know, the, the front brake levers kind of wrapped around flat, um, I, I got this rock that went through my spokes. Um, Ooh. it was like shaped like a canoe and it, uh, got picked up by the spokes and the wheel and came up around the backside of the fork and just threw me to the ground and bashed the brake levers. And, Oof. and, uh, and so I didn't trust, you know, what might've happened to the, the hoses underneath the tape. And I took the tape off and looked and I thought, you oh, know, boy, I'm just glad I'm doing this because <laughs> you know both of them look like they're about ready to crack and and bleed fluid and that would have been a case where i could have lost both brakes 
in a tour someplace. So, yeah. So how often about that often? About once a year. Yeah. 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 I mean, like how often would both go out at once about that? Yeah. Often? <laughs> I don't think so. Every yeah. time you come across a canoe shaped rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I'm curious, just, uh, you've mentioned you live in Mendocino County. Uh, it's one Sonoma of my, County. Oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, now that I've alienated you from our listener base. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah. Fight, fight, uh, fight. Yeah, there's a big difference between the two counties, but, you know, I, I gravitate a lot towards Mendocino because it's, uh, I live in the western part of Sonoma County, and, uh, you know, we're, Sonoma County is, uh, it used to be the Redwood Empire, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, now it's the wine country, and uh, it's quickly being converted from, say, apples to grapes or oak woodlands to grapes, and, um, you know, Redwoods are taking a backseat, and we can get our Redwoods uh up north in Mendocino County. Although I live with Redwoods. Um, that's that's one, nice one thing that I, I thought that uh, justified my commuting in a car all these years was that uh, I was offsetting my uh, carbon output with carbon sequestration. And uh, and so... Your Sequoia game is strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We've got some big trees. Good number of <laughs> hundred footers back there. And... Uh, yeah, my sister was saying one day, she was looking at a video I did of a bunch of um, animals. Um, I, I set out these uh, trail cams at night, and so we've got three cams around the property. It's like one and two-thirds acres. And uh, It's a good and, follow on Instagram. You've seen that? I think you've shared a few. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so anyway, um, she's saying, you're like, you like, you you kind of got this, this, uh, environment you're responsible for. And uh, yeah, I do. And it kind of weighs heavily on me because I feel like, you know, I have to keep this land away from people that would maybe log it or turn it into grapes. Uh, we have grapes lapping up out on us on the, the east side of the property and, and you go north of us and it's just like a grape desert out there. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it is a responsibility. But it's it's also fun because we've got this little bit of nature hanging out around us, and, and uh, she counted eleven species in in something I sent her recently, a compilation of uh, of uh, trail cam videos, and uh, yeah, yeah, you got uh, you got a couple of bobcats, you got a cougar. Uh, no, no cougar. No, well, okay. Actually, you know, there's a lady that lives down the street. She works for an Audubon outfit that. Uh, uh, finances a guy who um, does mountain lion research. Um, they tag uh, mountain lions around Sonoma County and they follow their movements. and uh, And the guy goes out and he does. He's from South Africa, so his um, his experiences with big game from uh, Africa. And um, so mountain lions are kind of like small potatoes for him. But uh, he's got this accent, you know, and he. he tags these lions and he has these people that work with him and, and uh, he goes out and does these talks and, you know, people worry about their kids getting eaten or, you know, they, they're upset because their goats have been killed or something like that. And, and he can go out into the public and there'll be a meeting and, uh, and he can just change minds, you know, within a half hour, you know, from somebody who's scared to death that their kids are going to be eaten to, um, yeah, I guess it's not so bad that they took one of my goats. And uh, it's just amazing. Not not to start the hate mail, but can he come out to Eastern Oregon? 
Oh, uh, yeah, you might want to uh, find out. I mean, we can, uh, I can get you some information on him. His name's something like Quentin Martins. Um, and um, yeah, maybe he's interested. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll copy you on his, uh, his information there. But, uh, you know, like I used to worry about mountain lions sometimes when I go out for rides um, in, you know, remote places and dirt roads and trails and stuff like that. And, uh, and he's really changed my mind because he starts talking about their ranges and uh, talks about a male and the, gosh, I couldn't imagine how to describe how big a range it is in a way that would, it, it, uh, a, a single male mountain lion probably has a range that's like three quarters the size of uh, metropolitan uh, Portland. Um, and then you'd maybe have three females in that same area. So the chances that you're going to encounter one are just amazingly slim. And the chance that you're going to encounter one and get eaten by it is even more slim. So it's, um, you know, he starts talking about these things. You know, you, you get away from worrying about being eaten every time you go out into the woods at dusk to, um, to just really looking forward to the day where you might see one or see a print or something like that. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be scary. It could be, it could be a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I came across a guy one time, my wife and I were walking out at, um, point Reyes one time and, uh, we come across this guy and he says, I just saw a mountain lion. And it was like, it was like some sort of religious re- experience for him. You know, you could tell he was maybe a little frightened, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, just the privilege of having seen it, uh, outweighed that. You could really see it in his face and, and hear it in his voice. So, yeah. Well, I was going to ask if there's anything else about, about your area that, uh, that you appreciate when it comes to exploration, simpler living, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I live out in the Western part of the County. Uh, it's less dense out here. Um, we've got little skinny roads, people drive slower. Um, we've got one watershed around a Creek called Willow Creek. It's, um, a park area that's sort of developing still. It's, um, been held in ownership by, um, nonprofits that transfer little snippets of land that they get to uh, state parks. California state parks are horribly underfunded. Uh, and so you can give them something and they won't develop it or they won't open it up simply because they don't have the money or the manpower to deal with it. Um, I, I'm just amazed at, you know, hearing about camp spaces in Oregon, you know, hiker biker things being $5, but you come here when you go to state campground, and whether you come in on a bike or some sort of monstrous RV, you're going to be paying almost $40 a day for it's a campsite. Expensive. Horrendously expensive. Yeah. And um, so we've got this area and it's got a couple of campgrounds that are called environmental campgrounds. Um, one of them, I wish I could have pointed out to you when you were on your trip down the coast, because um, it's right on the river. You can go swim there. Um, there's a little restaurant about a mile away. If you don't want to cook for yourself, there's places to buy food, you know, groceries and stuff like that that are on the Russian River um, uh, that would be, you know, a good good spot to shoot for if you knew about it. Yeah. Um, I remember and, hearing about those kinds of options. And I yeah. think way back when I rode that portion of the coast, it was 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if there have been additional ones that have been added as well. But, 
But yeah, no, those, uh, the two I'm thinking about were were available at the time. Okay, gotcha. We must have just shot. We maybe we were shooting for more utilities. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be hard to know about them too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Are, are there hiker biker at the environmental sites? Um, no, not really. Uh, but what you have to do is get out of your car or you know bring your bike in. Uh, that that's the nice thing about these sites because so many state parks. Uh, or what my wife kind of describes as sort of like a grapes of wrath campground. <laughs> Everybody drives in and all the cars are real close together. And it just kind of reminds me of the scenes from movies and you're smelling, you know, like people's bacon cooking and stuff like that. It's kind of homey in ways, but it's a little too crowded and um, too worn. Um, use worn by lots of vehicles and stuff like that. And these campsites, uh, you, you leave your car and you put your stuff in a, in like a cart or something and you carry it off a few hundred yards to your camp space and uh, so it's it's more peaceful than being in amongst the cars you're not sleeping in a parking lot so so it'd be uh kind of like the equivalent of stub stewart up here in oregon kind of like, yeah for sure the hand cart thing is uh, what sets it apart nice yeah, it sounds really attractive i'd like to go out there sometime yeah, yeah you should looking forward to like the strawberry what is it strawberry corridor or something like that that's uh, salmon or uh, salmonberry yep. yeah yeah someday when that's built out that'll be great I, yeah. my understanding is right now it's still uh still in development which means like they really haven't done any construction or improvement yet they're still working on kind of getting ready for it it's not not publicly accessible but when it is it'll be beautiful i bet yeah. And, and like this Willow Creek thing I was talking about, um, they've recently got more land. Um, there was a, uh, a former commune from the sixties that, um, uh, was kind of taken over by a, a couple who wanted to keep it cool and, and as sort of a, a meeting ground and campsite place. And they've recently deeded it over to, uh, the park system. So yeah. it's going to add even more, um, area to that park and uh more continuity for um wildlife and hikers and so now you'll be able to go um almost from where i live um out to the coast and kind of south and and almost hook up with bodega bay from there so nice yeah it's uh you're playing the waiting game right on that one yeah yeah it's going to be a, it's going to be a waiting game for sure. <laughs> but, but it's, it's also the thing where like now you, you know that you've got, you're going to have access to this beautiful, uh, this beautiful amenity. Yeah. yeah. Place. That's great. Yeah. Sonoma County has always been very short on parkland and there's just been this huge explosion in the area over the last 10 or 15 years, um, which is fortunate because, uh, we really need it. Um, and, uh, and the downside though, is that, um, you know, with the the COVID um, quarantines and such, um, we've had some of the most stringent uh, limitations on what we can do because uh, we our health uh, czar here is worried that people come up from the Bay Area and kind of swamp our parks and that sort of thing. So uh, we've been without our parks for quite a while now. And unless you live within walking distance, uh, you can't actually access them. Um, you can go there on bike, but, um, uh, some, a lot of the good parks are a long ways away from us and a long way away from other people, um, to reach by bike or to walk. So, uh, 
things have started to loosen up. Even bike paths were closed uh, to bikes and horses um, up until the beginning of last week. So um, looking forward to things loosening up a bit. Yeah. Hmm. Different kind of waiting game. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like... Hang in there. Sounds a yeah. little bit similar. I was talking to my mother yesterday, um, and she's out in eastern Oregon, which is quite a bit less populated, but went down um, a river that she goes out pretty frequently, and there was another person there. And uh, I, I think that that is definitely a thing, at least from what I've heard, because she was chatting with them, and uh, she's in Enterprise, and they're from Bend, which is about six hours away. And they're like, yeah, we, we got out of Bend because it was too busy there. And <laughs> it was... Um, <laughs> Like some s- small irony, I guess, and uh, that you know they had a good chat and all that jazz. Um, but I think that you know definitely folks city trapped. I know that Oregon's been closing its beaches and just like literally kicking people off of them when they when they show up from Portland out at Oceanside or such. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens in the next two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah, the, the beach is closing. Oh, that's a terrible thing because this is like one of the best features we have are our beaches and uh, you can't surf, you can't kayak, you can't do anything on the water. And um, so really looking forward to that loosening up. So yeah. Better days are coming <laughs> sooner or oh, later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, thank you for taking some time to talk to us, Sebastian. Really appreciate it. I was curious as uh, as a longtime listener, do you have any questions for us? Aaron, what happened to your ham radio? Uh, I have the license. I just never did anything with it. How do you? Oh, you never do anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've even got a radio. Uh, I keep charged in case uh-huh. in case I need it. I don't know. I but I keep it charged. I'll I'll turn it on to make sure it's still working. Uh, and that's the most I've used it for so far. Ah, yeah. I mean, they've been so helpful for rides that I've done out in places that are really remote. You know, oh, yeah. you have like a ham person that uh, is just there. Uh, like the, I did this um, two-day trip on the, the Lost Coast, and, and I've also done like a, a century ride out there. It's this area that's kind of west of Garberville. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's gorgeous there. Uh, I've yeah, heard a yeah. lot of good, good things yeah. about the Lost Coast, yeah. Yeah, and and then uh, out in the backside of Mount Hamilton down the South Bay, you would you would think that that place would have cell phone coverage all over it, but you know that's an area where you can go 50 miles without a business or any kind of support. Huh. Um, and uh, out in the backside of Hamilton and up uh, Mines Road. So, um, yeah, they, they do good work. And, uh, yeah, I have a friend who got into it. Um, thought it was kind of weird but he ran into a deer he was on a bike ride with his wife and another friend and uh he broke all sorts of bones and he was laying Ooh. around and he he picked up ham radio stuff and he learned code and he got his license and and uh he's met all sorts of strange people through it that i don't have the patience to deal with but uh, <laughs> you know he, he, he's just such a people person you know he can go on these long conversations with people about um second amendment rights and have these <laughs> deep intellectual discussions about it. And, uh, yeah, he's not, he's not that way, but, um, yeah, he's really, um, kind of bridged, you know, these divides through his ham radio. So right on. it's, it's pretty amazing. It is one of those things that I'm glad I, I've taken the time to learn how to use it. Um, 
Yeah. And even though I don't use it much, if I ever I need to use it, I'll be glad to have had it, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like uh, cooking rice, you know, like. Yeah, with, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The, yeah. the Japan uh, group. That, that, that's a pretty cool episode. That, yeah. And it's great to hear you get them back. And, and uh, yeah, that looked like a lot of fun, too. Tad and the rice cookers. That's it. Tad and yeah. Tack. Yeah. 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 We, uh, we, well, so the date we're recording this is, uh, three days after we would have been heading back from Japan, oh, actually. Yep. <laughs> was uh, land, right? Different, different we world, different life. We would have returned life. from uh, Japan, yeah. But we very much look forward to catching up with them at, <laughs> at the next opportunity we get to say hi. Yeah. Yeah. I was so jealous of your, your, your potential trip to Japan because I, I keep looking at all these Instagram things from Jan Heine and, and, uh, and another Japanese person that follow or a Japanese person that follow on Instagram. And it just looks like the greatest place to go ride a bike. Yeah. It, it does seem pretty fantastic. I, I get the impression that you really have to like hills to enjoy cycling in Japan. <laughs> um, you oh, know, what else is there? Yeah. <laughs> That's what islands are like. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, yeah. No, we look we look forward to getting out there. Um and we're we'll we'll connect up with them. I, I'm if I an optimistic uh within the next two years is kind of where things are at. Uh but who knows? Life life is well, life is nice that way. Best of luck making that happen. Yeah. It'll it'll sort yeah. out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, Sebastian, really appreciate you making the time yeah, to chat and you. hang out. Mm-hmm. And thank you again for being a long-term listener and supporter. Um, it, it means the world. So Thanks for being there. Yeah, all um, of you guys. We don't have a lot of time left, but what we do have... Mail? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's try Just that again. hit all the sounders. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had mail in so many weeks that I forgot the, which one the mail button was. We got mail. <laughs> we got lots of mail. First off, from the corporation of Apple, <laughs> dear podcast creator, so personal. Below are some updates to help improve the experience for your listeners' podcasts. Your show on Apple Podcasts is now available in 20 additional territories throughout Africa, Asia Pacific. Europe, Latin America, the Middle East, and Oceania. That's almost everywhere. Yes. And hasn't Oceania always been at war with Eurasia? Yes, it has. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're we're now, you know, broadcasting or podcasting in a fictional country now. <laughs> in in a in a dystopian fictional country. <laughs> Going back in time to go forward uh, in time. Well, Thank you for listening, big brother. And I guess I'll see you at the Ministry of Love. <laughs> That's why 1984 won't be like 1984. <laughs> um, um, from Mark Ree, the Sprocket Shift Happy Hour. Hey, Sprocketeers. I've listened to you for a long time, but I did take a break for a while since I found all the talk of Portland, Oregon frustrating when I was living in Portland, Maine, <laughs> where the cycling scene is not quite the same. Mark is very good at being understated in that regard. Uh, different, for sure. 
In any event, on your last happy hour, there was discussion of trailers. I bought a trailer when I decided to live car-free in San Jose and had a and had load anxiety as I was giving up a oh a lot of anxiety as I was giving up my car. I bought a cycle tote cargo trailer and can't praise it highly enough. The wheels are 700C, so I can use the same tubes and tires as I do on my commuter bike. It was built like a tank, and I've gone to Home Depot and bought bags of cement, which I brought home on the bike. Yeah. I got an adapter kit to allow me to use it as a child trailer and have brought my granddaughter to the farmer's market and had plenty of room for both child and groceries. I now live in Portland, Oregon, southwest, and I'm enjoying some of the cycling around here. Although I now have a motor vehicle as well. Keep up the good work and keep the rubber side down, Mark. So you can ride in Southwest. You can. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for riding, Mark. And um, yeah. we, are, we, are, we are a low car lifestyle. We, we won't shame you for having a car. Um, we just think it's pretty sweet that you're riding your bike <laughs> with the trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, I got to apologize to people who have been leaving comments on the website. I just realized that there are comments on the website. So um, <laughs> we may dig a little farther back. Uh, and I don't know. We didn't decide if we want to just do a big cavalcade or if we want to uh, space them out over time. But uh, yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, and do- Sebastian is no stranger to comments. He's <laughs> left many himself. Yes. <laughs> do you know if you leave a comment, um, we will get to it. It might Eventually. take a little while, <laughs> but we will get to it. <laughs> uh, um, tweet us if we take too long. <laughs> and thank you for commenting. Indeed. This well, next comment is regarding uh, episode 509. It is from my older brother, Dan. I honestly don't know how I mentioned him or we mentioned him, but he says, I made the show. This is the best day of my adult life. And no, I know... Not. I know while it may have been a good day, it can't be the best day of your adult life. <laughs> no, that's, uh, I think we, we rolled his song, ride your bike that he, I want to say oh, he left it on right. a voicemail hotline like three or four years ago. Yes. And we dug that up and put it on the end of an episode. So, yeah. And lastly, we have a voicemail. Um, I did not cue this up in the board, so I'm going to hit play and you guys tell me if you can hear this. Well, how did my ass turn blue? Cannot hear it. Okay, we'll have to add it in. Um, don't worry, it's very short. It's too it bad. says, well, how did my ass turn blue? What kind of a fiasco is this? <laughs> Thank you? <laughs> I don't know. Call back, things, call back and tell us more. We are concerned and <laughs> right, curious. Right. And also, we can't offer you medical advice. You should talk to uh, a physician. But no. um, I, I am curious exactly what that means. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering it. if it was one of those like movie soundboards where like like some quote you know they they like call you and press buttons and you hear like movie quotes. I, it's not that, is it? No, I've, it doesn't sound like a movie quote that I none that I know. Yeah, that I know of. <laughs> it will it will remain a mystery. Um, yeah. Tell us. Well, I guess don't tell us more about your ass, but uh, call back. <laughs> I mean, we do have a filter. We in can, whatever way we, is appropriate and or It may not make it to, to the show, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, as Sebastian knows, this is the section of the show in which we ask our guest, how should we read the credits? And remember, you can always mulligan and just have us read it as it is. Oh, this is good. <laughs> 
I think it would be great if you could read the 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 names like uh, you could you could pick one of the other people. You know, like Brock could pick Aaron, or Aaron could Ooh. pick Tim Mooney, or or you know Guthrie could pick Brock, or something like that. It's Freaky Friday. <laughs> I'll do my best. If we, what if, uh, so we're on the Zoom call. What if we each do the person one to the left? Guthrie, you're to my left. Is that what you're oh, seeing? Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> well, Sebastian mentioned I take Brock. Brock take Aaron. Aaron take Guthrie. Sure. Okay. Right. I, I don't uh, know how to do an impression of you, Guthrie. You just do your best. That's, that's all I ever do. <laughs> okay. Well, hang on then. And I, I'm Aaron. I think so. Okay. Are we going to do the same thing where uh, we trade off all, all three of us? Yeah, I, I think so. Naturally, let, let Aaron uh, swing back here and confirm. But that sounds <laughs> that sounds good. Excellent. I have to say, Sebastian as well. Um, Mendocino and Sonoma County, of all of California, on Never the mind. bike trip down to San Diego. I Bird. had a beanie. I was going to put on. Uh, oh, all, all good. <laughs> that's, I can't that's find right. it now. Um, I, I love. I was telling Sebastian, I love um, both of those counties because uh, I was just fantastically entertained every time we saw a county mile marker because I kept on looking to my left and right, and I was like, "There are no suns here." And I mean, there's a sun. <laughs> and then when we got to Men County, I was like, "That's a total lie," because there's just cows. <laughs> Oh, cool! <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I figured I'd figured I'd toss that your way, but those those two counties are very special to me for those reasons. I, 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 like, I won't forget that. I'm gonna have to look at all the other ones too and think of it. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> County road very markers good. when you're on very a bike good. trip and you're bored. You got to yeah. got to make your own fun sometimes. Yeah, I remember the one that really puzzled me for a long time was perforated drain. Mm-hmm. There was some. There was some acronym for it and i would see that and i didn't know what the hell it meant and i was grinding up some big hill in the sierras anyway totally understood (laughs) nice glad glad we connected on that (laughs) yeah yeah all right so aaron we were gonna um yeah so you were gonna read me brock is gonna read you i will read brock and we're gonna do it uh just each take a line as uh it goes if that sounds all right oh all right. All right. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at X-Ray FM Studios. Ordinarily, thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Uh, the website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. And thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurtbird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for our graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazenski, Tim Mooney. Uh, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Wise. Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler. Who's a time traveler. Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley. Peanut Butter Jar Matt. Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom. Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna. Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, myself, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Regrainery. Campsite, Macnears David, Nathan Polden. 
Rory in Michigan. I love Michigan. Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. <laughs> now I know you're lying. Tim Coleman, Harry Hugel, EJ Finneran. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Gato, Keith Hutchinson. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grossbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris, Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks. Marshall, Paula Athuna Taki Cyclecraft. Philip M. Spartandale, no relation. Uh, Mr. T, who never really left. Bike Initiative, Kiwina. They're a G. <laughs> so on point. Yeah, I'm so glad <laughs> I got that line. <laughs> dig a hole. Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, Oso. Isaac M., David Christensen, 503. And, and our, our newest, newest donor, Byron Patterson. And all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now, wash your hands. And stay safe. Woo! <laughs> oh, that was great. I, I hope I did that justice. <laughs> I think we all took each other down a peg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We didn't, we didn't quite jump the shark, but we took a good run at it. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.